Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sunderland lost... Lost, lost, lost this weekend, and uh, I am still not over it. So, two one against Burton. Um, am I really gonna get angry and start shouting at some shops? I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, we haven't got any brands in mind like our friends up the road, but I'm sure we can, I'm sure we can find somewhere in the city centre that's yeah. worth shouting at. Where, where would you shout at, David? One shot. Uh, where do I usually shout at? I, I think um, <laughs> uh, Greg's. Maybe just have a shout Greg's. outside Greg's. I mean, you've yeah. got a choice of four in Sunderland Town Centre alone. So. I'll go and shout at one until they tell you to go away and go and swap and shout at another. Yeah, move Excellent. around. Wait till the shifts change. Go and shout at the first one again. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is you've got a day's worth of shouting now because they tend to work on a six-hour basis. And at Greg's, you can, if you're hungry, pop in, get a steak bake. Yeah. Go back pence, whatever it is. Have a good shout at them again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, order it by shouting. There we are. <laughs> uh, no, we'll, we'll leave that shouting to the neighbours up the road. Yeah, they can shout not really our forte. Yeah, we'll complain on a podcast and we'll see who the better man is by the end. So yeah, joining me in the studio today uh, was two of Rogue Report's finest scribes, but one of them has pulled out. Mm-hmm. Um, his pull-out game is strong. And, you know, it's funny, actually, I wasn't even going to mention this on the podcast, but last week we had, uh, I told you before, I had Gordon Armstrong on and uh, my way of telling them where to sit with the microphone was uh, a penis length and I don't know why I said that yeah I mean it's very subjective isn't it really you know there's, well, there's, there's, there's no set length for a penis and and there I was and I was like you know the week before was the McGangbang thing with Stuart Donald. yeah <laughs> what then, was the McGangbang thing I missed that uh, well I had Donald in on the podcast mm-hmm. and I had a McDonald's right he bought his I McDonald's. remember this yeah. yeah and then at the start when we got back I'd mentioned like he said he didn't want to say what he'd had because he's eaten too much and I was like well at least he didn't have a McGangbang do you know what a McGangbang is? No, I'll be honest. I don't. Oh, it's, it, it's it's a three pound sandwich, so it's a chicken meal. Hang on, is this on the official menu? A chicken meal that's ninety nine pence with like a cheeseburger above it and a cheeseburger below it. Well, yeah, this is what shed McDonald's. This, yeah, <laughs> it's, so it's not Ronald McDonald coming out the back. No. Yeah. Right, okay, um, lovely. We've came in with like a rated R sort of. <laughs> yeah, start, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get back on track. Uh, so we did have two of our reports, finest scribes, uh, but we have Alex. Yep, you certainly do. How, how's things? I mean, things are all right. You know, it's it's never you know it's never nice watching Sunderland lose a game, and it's certainly not nice watching them lose the first one in League One. We've got a while without seeing us, you know, putting a really bad showing at this level. So I only asked how you were. Oh, he's well, giving it, a synopsis of the game. Yeah, right? well, I'm you know <laughs> I've got a lot on my mind, kind of. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit in the area of match ratings because it's so you know people get so angry about your match ratings, so we'll do that later on. My match ratings are fine, and they are never wrong, and everyone else is wrong, and I'm right. 
Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, David, you're the special guest this week, so... Hello. How are you doing? You're a comedian? Yeah, I'm good, yeah. I mean, I missed the... I was at the Edinburgh Fringe for the entirety of August, so I've missed all the fun games. Right. And I've come back yeah. and I've seen... <laughs> we won on penalties against Stoke. That's genuinely the most enjoyment <laughs> that I've had so far this that, season. That was fun. Um, I streamed yesterday's game, but I've been... Yeah, I've seen the previous three before that. Ooh. And, um, yeah, it's been really shit, hasn't it? Yeah, it's not, I mean, been, it's not been great. No. I was told that we uh, we had some kind of revolution. We did, yeah, yeah, yeah. In all of August, you missed us watching this team that none of us recognised, and now you're back to watch us watch <laughs> yeah. Sunderland. I, I don't want to try and be too negative. This, we've already started negative, yeah, so we're going to get a bit positive. And, well, I suppose I'll do the positive thing now because it's really just one positive thing. Mm. So I had a look at uh, Blackburn's results last season. They went up, mm. and uh, I saw they won four and lost three of their first seven. We mm. sit with four wins, three, three draws. draws. In a and defeat. one loss. Yeah. Aye, so the take game. So I mm-hmm. suppose Blackburn have won four, drawn one, lost three from theirs. And they ended up finishing second, getting promoted. So yeah, yeah. all is not lost. Just no. because we've had a few shaky games, we can still win the thing. Certainly can. Views? Do you think that's... Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's totally that's fair. The perspective I mean, that yeah, if, taken. if I'm not mistaken, all three of last season's promoted teams from League One weren't in the top two at this stage of the season. So... You know, to assume that our seasons, you know, our our automatic promotion campaigns dead and buried because we've lost one game and we're outside with a, you know, a few points between us and Portsmouth and Peterborough is, you know, to be a bit naive. I think you know, there's there's a long season ahead of us. A, a lot could change. You know, Jack Ross has got plenty of time to get it right, and I'm still 100% behind him. Right, we'll get into the game anyway itself. I like to run down sort of the key events, and we're lined up with McLaughlin and Nets Matthews. Uh, fullback Oviedo on the other side Leuven's and Baldwin at centre back and then midfield interesting Catamol and George Honeyman central midfield mm-hmm. uh, Gooch on one side Sinclair on the other then Madja up front with Charlie White and it it didn't really work from no. the off but conceded two goals in the first half both poorly defended Jamie Allen scored and Kyle McFadden scored from a set piece we've seen that one many times before already this season some changes in the second half it did look a little bit better but didn't really deserve to get a draw but Chris Maguire scored a wonderful goal so full time lost the first game of the season um, is a bit disappointing so suppose first thing to start for me they brought in a a keeper who well last minute keeper wasn't it they, yeah. they brought him in he hadn't started for them before why didn't we test him though only took seven shots four on target that mm. surely that's mm-hmm. the game plan for Jack Ross should have been test him early on and, yep. you know we didn't didn't put a man on him at corners it was a few things he's just like why not have a bit of a go? So that, that was a small pickup. What do you make of that, David? Am I just... Well, no, I think, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I think in the last um, three games that I've seen in the league, the main issue has been that left-hand side with um, with George Honeyman sort of filling in there with Chris Maguire. The, the, doesn't seem, the chemistry doesn't seem right in that part of the pitch. And it feels like the only person who seems to be winning the ball high up the pitch is uh, Lyndon Gooch. And he has his own off days. Mm-hmm. There just seems to be something wrong in the way that, that that sort of cooking and that cauldron, because we don't seem to be able to get the ball uh, in front of their box. And suddenly Charlie White becomes entirely useless. Like, I, d- I don't know. Do you know uh, if he's out for long um, periods? It's tomorrow, I think. We'll yeah, find out. But um, presumably bad, I think. Mm-hmm. He, he, it looked bad. You know, he's doing his best to hold up the ball in, in those uh, areas, but he's still. F- getting it 35 yards away from goal and if he's flicking it onto Josh Maggio he's got to get it absolutely bang on for mm. it to be in any way effective and then he's still giving Josh Maggio about 
20, 25 yards to get to get to goal and score. It's an almost impossible task. Whereas what you really need is some wide men going up the flanks and putting the ball in. And it's actually quite demonstrative that how effective that is. That the one time that we did that in the Oxford game, no, in the uh, Fleetwood game, was that it was uh, Honeyman got up the left-hand side, put the ball in and Madger scored. It, we don't seem to be getting into those areas. The interesting thing to me is how much weight did um, Ross put on keeping Callum McManaman and then suddenly he goes, he can't yeah. replace him mm-hmm. and you don't have anyone who's an out-and-out winger because it, it feels like that left-hand side is a real, real weak spot and that's why Brian Oviedo keeps getting tested. You saw the goal yesterday, the first goal um, was when Sinclair lost his man and Oviedo couldn't cover two and suddenly we're 1-0 down. It's, you know, it's weak. Do you think McGeady on the bench came on yesterday? Do you think his return will, you know, ease them worries? Well, what you need is some kind of solidity and work rate on that left hand side. And Aidan McGeady has never been that. I mean, he might, put, but but that's what Chris McGuire does as well. He pulls a little bit of genius here and yeah. there once every two games. And Aidan McGeady is going to do exactly the same thing. But it doesn't it doesn't solve that, whatever it is. I would say at the moment. Um, I was I was reading that uh, Michael Owen thing where he was talking about towards the end of his career he stopped running into certain areas he stopped looking for balls in certain areas he started to hide behind defenders and you can kind of see it with Lee Catamold as well there's certainly parts of the pitch that Lee Catamold doesn't want to get himself into because he realises he can't reach the ball in the same yeah. way that he used to and it's it has such a negative effect on the way that we win the ball in the middle of the park to have someone who is kind of almost actively I don't you know obviously this is an accusation but almost actively avoiding getting in, involved in play because he does get turned he does let people run at him quite a lot of the time and if you don't have anyone else there which George Honeyman doesn't I don't know where he's playing at the moment um, certainly we, we we invite a lot of pressure on the mm-hmm. centre-halves a lot of the time during the game Do you think the way they set up Alex with uh, we've talked about the left-hand side with Sinclair over there not well I'd say he's not a left winger he's played there but he's not a natural left winger no. do you think that's an issue they've, they've shoehorned somebody in just to get him on the pitch yeah, yeah. I mean, like David said, you know, on your left-hand side, really, I think you want your winger and your fullback to sort of work with a bit of cohesion. And I think because Jerome Sinclair is not an out-and-out winger, he doesn't that that natural like sort of cooperation doesn't come to him, not not naturally anyway. I think he's probably more focused on adding the pace to the game from the get-go that Ross wanted him to. I think. You know, I think the intention was maybe that if we have more attack, a more attack-minded team on paper on that field, you know, we can get a team straight away. You know, we can get an early goal, and suddenly, you know, we're not needing to catch up to them from conceding one because we've started on the front foot and we can start with me to go on. But I think because Sinclair, you know, it didn't didn't quite, you know, do that. It didn't quite come off from. I think the issue therein was that when they came on the attack. He couldn't do the role of the winger insofar as he couldn't cooperate with his fullback. And that, you know, as David said, left Oviedo with too much on his plate to handle. The next thing you know, Burton are ahead. I, think, I want to go through a little bit of actually the, the start 11 because I think Ross made a few mistakes yesterday with his team selection. I think we'll yeah. probably all agree that mm-hmm. that was the case. But obviously, net, that's fine. McLaughlin was, was okay. But right back, Adam Matthews starts. Would you not have been tempted, surely, to play Flanagan? He played well last week, taller. Probably would have helped on them defensive set pieces. Mm. It, it's yeah. interesting. I mean, I mean, for the first Fleetwood goal, the uh, header goal, that was Matthew's mistake. And I think one of the goals yesterday was Matthew's mistake. Matthew's I think. conceded a penalty as yeah, well. Yeah. 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 yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I think he's had some poor games and we just don't seem to have cover in that area. Whether you play Flanagan, I'm not sure. Whether you, whether you want to switch to a three at the back with Flanagan as part of a three um, centre-halves, that 
leaves Leuven's open to be more of a sort of marshal rather than running around all the time, which is what yeah. he's good at. And then you play two, you play wing backs of of Oviedo and Gooch. It might help out a bit more, but yeah, I just don't think Matthews is. He's, he he doesn't seem to be on the same page as the rest of the defense at mm. the moment. Yeah, and then in terms of, I mean, I don't think there's any complaints really. Oviedo slotting in over Hume, it's it's an interesting one because Hume plays really well last mm. week. But you can see why the pick Oviedo to, yeah. to go in ahead of him. But I mean, do you think Ross got that wrong? No, I think he got that right. I think I think he might have been aware of the fact that Sinclair isn't a natural left winger. And so perhaps he could have foreseen that, you know, he wouldn't be playing the role of the winger, like I said, with that cohesion with the fullback. Mm. I think, you know, Oviedo dealing with, you know, attackers without the aid of his winger is going to do better than Hume. I think that that's quite unfair yeah. to, you know, to to leave a young man sort of like, you know, sort of exposed to that much of an offensive outlet from any team in this league, you know, when your winger's not providing the help that a, a, a natural winger would. Uh, I think Oviedo was just a safer bet, in my opinion. I think if you had an actual natural winger there, I might have preferred Hume's pace over Oviedo's, you know, all-round, you know, general ability. But no, I think in this situation, Oviedo was the better choice. I, I've been championing an idea that uh, I don't think many people are in agreement with, but I thought left midfield, if you put in Oviedo on the left more attacking left mm-hmm. midfield and put Hume behind them then you know that would solve some of the defence didn't, certainly to didn't solve David Moyes do that <laughs> didn't David Moyes play Brian Oviedo right wing for a certain number of games and then also centre forward once know. at the end did he? <laughs> yeah I, I I was, was this his Everton days or was this for Sunderland no it was for Sunderland yeah what, would, 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 we really yeah yeah, I'm he sure. Did, I'm did. sure. I remember. Maybe I've suppressed the memory. I don't know. He didn't start. He obviously yeah. didn't start there. But there was yeah. there was one of the games that yeah, kind of yeah, just spiraled yeah. out of control where Brian Oviedo was yeah, playing yeah. in behind the forward, and you go, "Wow, this is yeah. <laughs> this is like yeah. David James." These are the salad days, my friend. Days. <laughs> yeah, but if you put Oviedo though, he can't play left mid, like, irrespective mm-hmm. of Moise's stupidity, put mm-hmm. him on the right. But you can play Oviedo left midfield, move human to left back, then that would defensively yeah, maybe far better on that yeah. I don't know um, I don't know I mean the, the question why can't Oviedo play on the wing asked in 2018 sounds an awful lot like why can't Van Anholt play on the wing in 2014 no I disagree I don't think that's the same point because uh, A Van Anholt never actually I don't think played on the wing I can't recall ever no 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 but like there shit. was always like shots from to go on the wing because yeah but Van Anholt's a different sort of player because Van Anholt the reason why he wouldn't have been good as a winger is because he was so pacey and that's how it worked he was so good at overlapping and you would lose that if you put him in the left mid whereas I think Oviedo the things that he's doing well at the minute in this team isn't actually the defensive stuff it's the stuff going forward it's the crosses it's mm. the quality he has on the ball and that I just wonder with a young Denver Hume at left back how much would he benefit from having somebody like Oviedo who'd be defensively responsible ahead of him? Certainly yesterday, you're telling me that you, in hindsight, wouldn't have rather have seen Oviedo ahead of Sinclair on that left oh, side. Oh, definitely, yeah. Especially I mean, playing I mean, two up front yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, I would say so. You know, I mean, I, I would like to, you know, I would like to see Oviedo tried on the on the left wing with, you know, Hume behind him. I'd like to see Hume going forward with his pace, you know, safe in the knowledge that, you know, should he cock something up, Oviedo's there to sort of, you know, pick up the pieces, you know, playing as the makeshift fullback in that situation. But yeah, I mean I'm I'm obviously just worried that there was a reason Van Anholt didn't play when he was a when he was always been a left back and I think maybe I've just got me concerns because Oviedo's been asked to do asked to make the same switch that we wanted from him. But as you say, that they aren't the same player. So there's the funny thing is about the Van Anholt one is is who would we have played at left back then? Oh God knows. rather than Van Anholt. Yeah. Did we have Don Love by then? <laughs> no, I don't think we did. No. <laughs> Oh no, no this was 2014, of course we didn't. Oh. Yeah. So, in terms of 
was just spoke a little bit about left midfield, but in central midfield, Catamore lines up with Honeyman. I mean, sort of has a disaster yeah, no, all over before yeah. it starts. This year, and you've got Bally Mumba, who's done really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Robson, who's come back from injury, not been great like for the under 23s, but no, he's apparently had a, he had a, he had a bad game against the Norwich yeah. under 23s, apparently. Today. But there is options in central midfield, so why, why slot in Honeyman into a position where he did all right against Charlton, but isn't really his natural one? It, it just again, it just didn't mm. seem to make sense I think the issue isn't necessarily the midfielders you've chosen it's the fact that you've not got enough midfielders there for what you want to do I think playing Catamore with one other midfielder that's not particularly strong is just a, a recipe for disaster I think you know Catamore has some very good attributes in this division or he can still pick out a pass you know he's obviously a very you know experienced figure in the midfield he, he can put in a tackle if he can get to the ball in time but if you don't have I, don't, I think two you know, energetic midfielders either side of him or at least with him and I think you can't compensate for his lack of pace yeah. and I think you, you will just get overrun I mean we've, we've seen it a few times this season and I, I think you know if, if I was Ross I would try it at 4-3-3 I would try and see you know can I put Catamol in the middle and can I put you know McGeoch and Honeyman or McGeoch and Power either side of him yeah. and see how we get on with that or alternatively I think you you could really I mean I, I, I'm, I'm no longer in the you know I hate Lee Catamol camp but why not just drop him? You know, why not just drop him and play Honeyman Power McGeoch in the middle, and then you know you've got you, you lose the issue of having a player whose you know legs have quote unquote gone, and then you've just got three energetic and fairly strong midfielders. I, I think you know. I mean, obviously we can't have power at the moment, but well, what, do comes you, back. what do you mean that, David? And do you think Catamol has um, obviously had a really positive you know reaction uh, scoring against Wimbledon? But do you think since then he's or maybe doing more harm being in the team or not? I think uh, it's not necessarily about dropping one player and bringing someone else in. The, tactically, we have a real problem at the moment with uh, the high press. When mm. when when teams come out and they press right on our um, centre midfield, yeah. right on our defence, mm. the the in um, in the secret footballers book, right, which I, who I, I believe has been outed as Dave Kitson. Yeah. But um, uh, what he talks about, Tony Pulis had this idea of the turnover area. And the turnover area, what it is, is his uh, your own half. Imagine that, and then imagine uh, putting a blanket over that, and then folding in five yards at, uh, from um, the uh, from the penalty box, um, from the halfway line, and from either touchline, and that's what he calls the turnover area. Now that's the turnover area. That's where you get that you're most likely to get the ball. And when you get the ball, you're allowed three people to break the two strikers and the nearest winger. Now I don't advocate Tony Pulis style tactics, no. but the way that we get the ball is you move that blanket another 10 yards back. So mm. most of the time we're getting the ball on the edge of our box and then we have to break. And one of the things that Sunderland really lack at the moment is a kind of Trek Artista or the Brazilians were called the Fantastista who are, is the player who sits in and behind the striker who can receive the ball, you know, a quick change of feet, pass it out to either wing or supply the strikers. We just don't have anyone like that. No. So either you you have a big destroying centre midfield that is going to get the ball much closer to the uh, halfway line and then and then break from there, or you invest, you find some player who can sit in that role and hold it up because otherwise you're just playing it up to Josh Madger who's going to get muscled off and you invite mm-hmm. pressure back on yourself. Yeah, I think um, Catamol lets the game go past him a lot of the time. One of the things that he's really good at is marshalling everyone, making sure that everyone's in their right position because he can see that he can still see the game to a Premier League level. He can understand where all the positions have to be and where everyone has to be. Um, but as we don't have that kind of definition with Gooch and Honeyman and where they're supposed to be and where Chris Maguire's playing because he has more of a free role in behind the strike and sometimes left wing, we don't... We, it, it's it, That skill that Catamull supposedly has 
breaks down it doesn't really it's not really effective anymore so i would definitely i'd I'll be honest. I think we bought Dylan McGeek to replace Lee Catamol. I think we bought uh, Loco Nine to replace um, uh, George Honeyman. And I think we've got Barley Mumber and Ethan Robson coming through. And I would give those four a good chance of playing centre midfield for a few games because I think possibly they, you know, that might be the the option that mm-hmm. we need. There's a, there's a tactical problem here that yeah. it's much bigger than just yeah. one player coming yeah. in. And it's interesting that you say that because I remember. I remember thinking that the last few games I've watched us play this long ball football because as as you say you know our what was that what was that phrase you used for the the um the, the turnover area the turnover yeah. area yeah yeah yeah, it's yeah. Not mine. It's well not, well yeah yeah that, that yeah that that, that great yeah, 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 football yeah 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 you cited one of one of footballers you know finest finest minds in Tony Pulis <laughs> clearly but yeah no well in that turnover area you know we seem to have this issue that if we try to play through the middle like we try to play just like you know a passing game on the ground it gets as far as a midfield two of Catamol and Honeyman. And it, it, we don't so much get pressed as we just get pushed over, mm-hmm. you know. And the ball suddenly we're back on the defensive again, and suddenly you know Lewins and Baldwin, uh, you know, ball to the wall to, to you know clear the lines again. So I think, as you say, yeah, if we if we try, you know, I think either to either replace Catamol with someone who you know isn't going to let the game pass by him as much, you know, with a bit more mobility, or just try a three and chuck in someone like you know obviously like, like Luke O Nine, who's you know if nothing else proven himself very energetic, or mm-hmm. Dylan McGeeck who. You know, as as you quite rightly pointed out, it's probably just a replacement Catamol. You know, he's a bit younger. He, he does, you know, he has. He's he's you know remarked as having all the same attributes as Catamol's always been praised for. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's just what you've got to do. And I think because I remember when we watched when we played Scunthorpe, we we played it on the ground and we were fine. Mm-hmm. You know, when we got when you know when we had Max Power when he was you know before he went out, we played it on the ground and they were tremendous. So if we can just get back to, you know, that sort of free-flowing on-the-ground passing football yeah. with a midfield you know, that can hold its own when when it comes under pressure we'll be fine but yeah, yeah. Yeah, until that, then I think we'll keep drawing and losing games if yeah, we don't yeah. fix that issue sharpish do you think the, the Charlie White injury and if he is out for a long time actually hampers Luke 9 because I think Luke 9 last year played with Akin Fenway who is the ultimate <laughs> shithouse mm-hmm. oh, and we signed Wyke to be that and I think the idea probably when having the two of them was that Wyke was going to essentially be Akin Fenware and Lugo 9 was going to you know do the role he had at Wickham last year and now we've lost probably Wyke for a long time that kind of makes the situation worse I think for 09 I don't know if that's maybe me reading too much into it but that's certainly how I yeah. interpreted the signing when it went, when it happened yeah I don't think he would have been I don't think he would have been signed with only Charlie Wyke in mind I, I, you know, I don't think Ross is going to sign a player and think right you know you're here because I want to play this exact style of football. I think he would know that he's not always going to have Wyke available. He would know that the game's not always going to lend itself to Wyke. He would have signed 9 with the intention of the thing just working in a in a more general, all-encompassing philosophy in this team. I think it's an interesting um, kind of perspective. I think yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I mean obviously, you know, O9 would be well versed in supplying a you know a shithousey striker, much like he did with Akin Fenway, but. Uh, I know. I think I would like to think there's going to be more to his game than just that. I'd like to think he could do something, something else, you know, in a different setup. Uh, looking the the substitutions yesterday, so I had Maguire came on, McGeady came on, Luke Nine came on. The substitutions have an impact. I mean, McGeady and Nine obviously mm. not as obvious as Maguire, who scored as a screamer. But what? Yeah. What did you make of the changes? Uh, well, Nine came on a bit too late for me. I think if we were going to make use of his energy, we should have done it, you know, 15 minutes earlier. You know, he, he came on, I think, around the 80-minute mark. Yeah. And I think, you know, if, if we want him to come on and channel his energy into, you know, 
conjuring some more ideas for us going forward than we should have done that earlier. I think McGeady was never going to have a tremendous game, you know, and I wouldn't expect him to on his first game back from a lengthy injury. Did that he scored, didn't he? Fired he, one wide. It, it, did he? Well, yeah, well, just wide, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. There was, there was that shot he had, didn't he? After the, the goal mad scramble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. I say, I say nearly scored. I mean, should have scored, but yeah, fired I mean, wide probably the right Yeah, way. I mean, he had, he, had a, he had a chance, didn't he, really? But, you know, yeah. other than that, when he was getting forward, he, you know, he. He didn't look as didn't quite look as uh, look as tricky as he as we saw him at the start of last season, but like I say, you know, you, you can't expect him to be you know like at the peak of his game when he's just come back from injury. And obviously, Maguire did well. Not that you know, I think of the three, he's probably the one you would have least expected to to do something. You know, he came on for White because White went off, but you know, fair play to him. He's had a few bad games, but he's come on and he's got a cracker. So hopefully, you know, that'll you know give him the boost he needs and possibly another start. In terms of margin yesterday, um, a small one for me was the ball falls to Madger in the box and he passes it yeah. wide of the post, screws mm. his effort up. If that goes in and we take the lead there, how different is the game or do you think we just were never going to win yesterday because we weren't good enough? I think uh, we we just... I mean, the, the the problem is we don't seem to get the get the ball enough. What what you need with the very you know um, tippy tappy passing football that Jack Ross is trying to implement here yeah. is is possession. We yeah. need pos- possession to this mm. And I, like I don't have the I, I, I call you two journalists in <laughs> in the broadest term I can possibly use. No offense, yeah. but um, <laughs> but I don't have the access to like the Opta stats that I imagine you can probably conjure up. Mm. And the Guardian don't do the chalkboard anymore. But I'd be really interested to see what the heat map statistics are mm. of each team because I think actually we sit so deep trying to get the ball we sit we sit back so much that i don't think it would have mattered we um we can't deal with other teams coming at us and we and it doesn't matter really where um at one point we score during the game we invite so much pressure onto us that the opposition is almost bound to you know mm. that's why we've conceded in almost every match this season uh, have we conceded in every match no kept one clean sheet no one, one clean sheet against yeah. Gunthorpe we've and been, at least one goal in the rest yeah we've been 1-0 yeah. down in every game yeah. though, other than that yeah. Yeah, I don't think we've oh no we took the lead against um, Luton yeah uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah but other than that no slim pickings mm-hmm. um, should we be alarmed I mean we did talk about Catmull and Hunting before but should we be alarmed about how sort of lost they were yesterday and do you think Power and McGeoch, do you think that's the future of our central midfield yeah. if he's going with a two? I think I think those are your two strongest midfielders, to be honest. I think Power definitely. Yeah, but definitely I, th- is. I think he's probably made Honeyman captain for a reason, though. And I would, you know, I would, I would like, as I said before, I would like ideally to have a three-man midfield with Honeyman in there as the captain, Power and McGeoch. I think that is your strongest midfield. But no, I, I don't think Honeyman was lost, to be honest. I mean, I, I know. You know, especially with the player reigns, I get a lot of sticks saying that you know, I, I you know, let's have a look. Defend Honeyman, you know, six. religiously, and that's low for you. That that, that, that is low for me to be fair. Well, I mean, it was the norm last season, but you, now the season it's low. You gave him the, the typical word graft comes in there. That's, yeah, it's always a word used with George Honeyman is graft. And well, word. how much does George Honeyman want to be at Sunderland based on what he said during the summer or what his representative said during the summer? I, I how think, much does he actually want? Well, to be I think he could have gone and he didn't. You know, and that for me suggested. Yeah, I think so. I think there was, there was a few there was a few championship clubs sniffing around. Sheffield Wednesday were report, were reportedly very interested. Right. You know, and they're, uh, I think, you know, at this moment in time, uh, an average championship club. Yeah. So you know, I think if he didn't really want to be here, and a decent offer came in from a championship team, you'd probably go, okay, yeah, you know, in a bit, I'm, I'm out of League One. I'm gonna have another swing of the championship. But Fair enough. you know, clearly, he's, he's come back and he wants to stay in a team 
and obviously maybe maybe just make up for last season for or whatever you know what I mean well, there's, there's reason enough there I think to suggest that he does want to stay I think he wants to stay yeah I think I think you have that conversation the summer before you give him the captaincy I think mm. you mm-hmm. you know George we're going to give you this but can you say to us that you're like you know you yeah, want to stay the, yeah. the captain's armband too is quite a big statement because it's a, it's a normally you, you, if you give a guy your, your captain's armband he's not going to stay just for the season you know he's, he's not going to have any immediate plans to leave I don't think I think a, a lot of a lot of teams captains you know will have the intention of staying in the team and marshalling said team going forward do you think though that uh, we are overstating the captaincy I mean how important is a a captain in in this day and age of football. No, I dare say quite a bit. You know, you, you quite a bit? So, someone's got to you know attempt to keep the team together on the pitch, don't they? You know, but I don't know if that's that's the thing. That's a debate with the captain. It's surely there was better candidates to do that. Would you look at you know Leuven's Baldwin? Mm. I think Lu- I think Leuven's was the only realistic candidate. Really. I think Baldwin. To be fair, Baldwin was. Now you've seen the season unfold. Now you've seen the way that we play. I think. Jack Baldwin is the most important player for us. Well, I mean, if he got injured, we had no chance we're going up. I think you can be, yeah. a, I think you can be a very good defender without needing to be a captain or a very good centre back. I mean, you know, but, Jonas Kabul and Lamine, and Lamine Cornier work together well, but I, w- I wouldn't have either of them as a captain. No. Personally. Yeah, but that, that you know, you that's not really a fair comparison because Baldwin has been a captain. Well, I mean, I suppose I, I don't know. I just I just think there's. In that team, the the two standout candidates for me would be Honeyman, just based on the fact that you know he's he's a local lad. He's been at the team for a while. He'll, you know, I I don't want to use an extremely awful cliche, but I think he does just get Sunderland in that in that respect. Gets it, yeah, he gets I it. You know, that. yeah, gets yeah, it. he just gets Sunderland. Yeah, it's it's the that one defence that we always used for Coleman last season. I'm going to use he for Honeyman it. now. Yeah, he, he does. I think he does. And I think Leuven just because he's been, you know, he's he's such an experienced footballer and he's, you know. Being captaining Sheffield Wednesday for God knows how long. I think those two are your main candidates. I could I could see Baldwin as well, but I could I could see those two as being the ones that I think would be in would have been in serious contention for it. No, it's just it's an interesting debate, I suppose. I wonder though if the captaincy it might have made more sense to see how the start of the season played out before mm. you know, giving out the captaincy before the season starts, I think, is is actually a risky game. I don't know, maybe that's just me reading too much into it. Well, you have to have a captain for the first game. Yeah. So you've got no, to give someone the captaincy. You have to have like an official sort of, mm-hmm. you know, X is the captain. He is always the captain. I don't know, it's an interesting interesting point. Um so it's fair to say that we all agree that Ross got this one wrong. Yep, tactically. So how do you think you'll respond next week, David? Um, I think there'll be certainly changes in midfield. Um, I don't know if he'll if Chris McGuire will come back in. Uh, I don't think Sinclair did himself any favors. So should, should we all do a, a selection? That would be nice, wouldn't it? That would do be what nice. team selection right now <laughs> yeah. next week? All right, so I presume we're all in agreement, McLaughlin. Yep. Was in net, yeah. yeah. Even though Robin Wright, I was great in that check a trade trophy game. Well, I mean, you know, if if you perform well against Stokes in the twenty ones, you know, you've you've just you've just got to start, really, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. haven't you? Come on, yeah. Well, if you want, if you want Wright in, uh, no, I, 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 I really don't. Uh, <laughs> Millwall at home is still in my mind. You know, he's there. Play. He's got clearly that was just two a bad game for goalkeeper. That was magnets in the ball or something. Oh, that yeah. was yeah. That, that was, was unbelievable. Like, yeah. four, awful. <laughs> was yeah. four goals just thrown into yeah, the net. That was hilarious. <laughs> it was terrible. So. Left back Hume Oviedo. I think it'll still be Oviedo. Yeah, um, I don't think he was coming in. At all. Oh, yeah. are we choosing the team that we would pick or the team that we think Ross will pick? Oh, good one. Hmm. Nah, Why don't we do that. both? Why don't oh. we start with the team we'll pick? I'm confusing everyone. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah, we'll just do one. Just one. I mean, do the team that you sort of think Ross would pick, but with your sort of you know 
your kind yeah. of uh, see, see we, we can't it. decide and this just emphasizes how important it is to have a captain you know there needs to be someone that we can defer to here. <laughs> Connor I'm electing you well, that's what, what are we going to do which one are we going to do um well, I'm going to pick the team that I think Ross could pick with one change that I would use, which is the, <laughs> yeah. the Oviedo and one. And you're, com- you're worried yeah. about confusing people. Okay. Yeah. Fuck's sake, I'm just going to put Oviedo in on left midfield. I'm just spoiling that one already. Right, okay. I'm sold on it. So, well, I want you to start. Go through your team. All right, left back. Hume. Hume, okay. Uh, who technically would be replacing Sinclair, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, centre-backs, Baldwin, Leuven's. Right back Flanagan. So there's another change. Flanagan in for Matthews. Midfield would be uh, the midfield's a bit more iffy to pick because it depends if McGeoch's back. But I'm going to say McGeoch is back, mm-hmm. and I would go. Do I go Catamore McGeoch? I'm going to go Catamore McGeoch, and then I'm going to drop Honeyman. He's not playing in that behind the striker role now. He's right. going to play in more central midfield. So we're actually playing kind of like the four-three-three you were mm-hmm. talking. Yep. Left side would be. Maguire, even though I would be tempted with McGeady, right side Gooch, and up front would be Madger. So where's uh, Oviedo playing? Oviedo's playing where Maguire's playing. All oh, right, okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> got that one there. Right. Well done. Good point now. There right, well, for me, I would say obviously McLaugh- McLaughlin in goal, and then I would have Oviedo left back still. So I'm going to keep him where he is. I would obviously have Luvins and Baldwin in the middle, and on the other side, I'm going to stick with Matthews. <gasps> I'm just, you're not, not tempted with Don Love. No, to be honest, I'm not tempted with Don Love. I'm really not. I'm, I'm if Nichols really... is here, he'd be all over. Oh yeah, yeah, Loves. yeah. He wouldn't be having that. In Nichols, no. Well, well, Nichols isn't here, and Don Love's staying out of this team. So yeah. <laughs> so that was that. That's yeah. That's Oviedo, Luvins, Baldwin, and Matthews, and then my midfield three. I'm gonna have Honeyman in the middle there, the the centerpiece of my bridge. My favorite eight out of ten player is the captain. <laughs> And then I'm going to have either side of him. I would have, you know, in a in a central midfield of three, I would have McGeoch and I would have Catamol. You know, McGeoch and Honeyman there with enough energy to compensate for Catamol's lack but, of. Just, just sorry, when Power gets back the week after, when are Power you gets doing back, the same as me and taking Catamol out. Yeah, yeah, Catamol's out. getting shifted once once Power's back. Yeah, once, would, once we've got the power. I think it depends how who plays better this week between Catamol and Honeyman. That would be my maybe, yeah. Decision. But I, I think I, I'm anticipating. Catamol, you know, being just a bit too slow, and while the other two will compensate for it, would be better off just without them all together, and better with, you know, power with a bit more energy, and, a, and obviously, you know, with a with a goal in them, I think more so than Catamol. And then up front, I would have obviously Madja spearheading the attack, and either side of him, my wingers would be Maguire and Gooch. David, okay, um, so the, I'll pick the team that I think Ross is going to pick. Uh, so I, I think he'll go for. Um, I think the back five will be the same, actually, as the previous game. Uh, and in midfield, I don't think he will drop Catamol, although I would drop Catamol. Mm. I'd put McGeek in for Catamol. Yeah. And then I'd play Barley Mumba and, um, and Luke 09. I'd give 09 a start. Mm. Um, I don't think he will do that. I no. think the problem with playing Catamol and McGeek at the same time is that they both try and play in exactly the same position, yeah, that which means is that. dropped in between yeah. the centre midfield mm. and the central defence, kind of trying to play this sort of quarterback role mm. but if both of them are trying to play it then it means that one of them ends up getting pushed into centre midfield and he's totally overpowered because mm. he doesn't have the the, the industry yeah. to keep going so which is why I'd put Mumba and um, and uh, 09 in there uh, and then I think it'll be um, it'll it'll almost definitely uh, be um, Madger up front and instead of playing a two I think Sinclair will get dropped and we'll have Gooch on the right and um What's his name on the left? 
Go on. What's he, what's he called? Maguire? <laughs> no. Donald? Uh, Maguire, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, so I think it'll still be that. But I, I just worry about that left-hand side. I think we're massively open. I think teams are starting to understand that. Now. Yeah. Which is why people criticise Oviedo for recent performances. And Denver Hume came under a tremendous amount of pressure mm. against um, against Fleetwood. But I don't think it was his fault at, at all. And the, one no. of the reasons that people gave him such a high score was that he dealt with that pressure very manfully and he mm-hmm. was all over, you yeah. know, he was all over covering every blade of grass but he needed to be because they barely touched us on the right hand side whereas yeah, on the I left mean, they, they really hammered us how old is he Denver Hume 21 maybe oh is he 20 is 21 he old? Is he? I thought he was a bit younger 21 is no age really I think no, for professional Hume. football you know being thrown into the first team <laughs> he's, like a, he's a pensioner yeah. he's a pensioner he's, old, he's 22 is he 22 is he yeah He's just turned 22 on the 11th wow. of August. Oh, God, he looks so cherub-like. Yeah, cherub-like. <laughs> he's yeah. such a small little boy. He is. Well, that's, like, that's he's the thing. He's um, a wee lad. We talked about last week, but Denver Hume, uh, Lyndon Gooch, George Honeyman all played together. It came through that under 20. Right, right today, okay. Yeah, I recommend is, him a beard. It's done me wonders. You have. He looks yeah. a different bloke now. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I used to be clean shaven. I mean, I'm 21, but I look like a bear without it. So he looks yeah. ugly. He was never. He was a virgin, and now he's yeah. grown a beard. He's exactly. Yeah. All the ladies. Honestly. Yeah. Wow. I mean, every word he just said is true. Yeah. <laughs> it's like his beard's like Old Spice. It's great. Oh, this you're, you're damn right. It's just yeah. a load of lies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An hour and a half of lies. <laughs> no, it's not true. Uh, yeah, I think. Um, I think we'll we will struggle until Max Power comes back. Uh, because I think he provided an outlet a little bit, pushed a little bit further forward. Mm. One of the interesting things about him is that he always wanted to get the ball just in front of their um, uh, box, he, and he was always looking for the run, you know. And um, he would he would move onto either flank, and he, 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 he had a lot him. of industry. In him. We really miss him. I like I like Mike Power a lot. Yeah, yeah. I do as well. Classic such player. a good name. Such a yeah. good name. Yeah. yeah. In terms of. Um, we did the team selection there but in terms of the response for me I know that teams come to the same alike and they're, they're all excited and they, they play their hearts out for the first half an hour the away teams that is mm-hmm. next week though they've got to be the one that starts on the front foot mm-hmm. they've got to make sure that Rochdale know that they're playing against a team that is going to be up there because I think this year apart from Scunthorpe no team I think has played us even when we won 4-1 away from home and thought oh these are the best team in the division and I just want to assert that sort of Dominance. authority on the game yeah, yeah. and like really just kill yeah. them I'm gonna I'm gonna offer a bit of devil's advocate there on what you what you open that sentence with that every team loves to come up here and play against us I mean I, I just I just wonder do we possibly overestimate just nah. how significant that is do you think nah. I, I think I think some of the teams in this division will see this as a bigger way to but I think I think if we assume that every team in league one can't wait for their chance to play against this really big club in this really big stadium with all these fans. I think, I think some teams probably think it's a, it, it's I think look forward to, but I don't think you know they're counting down the days, yeah, minutes and seconds. Are, yeah. yeah, I think I think we're, we're, we're getting a bit maggish if we think that you know all of a sudden oh you know we're a we're a big club us though they're kind of weird to play us. Yeah, right. <laughs> Be the best year the entire season. It's the I, bloody cup final. I hear I hear you saying that right, but I do the the away fan sort of thing at the fans on full of games right and every single away fan I've spoken to has spoke about how it would even be nice to score a consolation if they were 4-0 down right and I think it is understated yeah. I mean I've got a, right, a Rochdale friend so I was texting him yesterday because he's coming to the game and he says to be fair scoring at your place will be enough even if it's a consolation right wow so I think though like to say it's understated I don't think it's true I think these yeah. players how many of these players will have played in front of 30,000 for a league game you know, Oxford hadn't played in front of a 30,000 league crowd since they were last at the Steam Alive yeah. when they got beat 7-0. Yeah. So 
I, I think it's not understated. Teams will, in the same sense that you know when I'm trying to think, it's hard really because we're Sunderland and we're yeah. probably for Donny Jets. But you know, what I mean? newly promoted clubs go to like Old Trafford and stuff, and they don't often get beat six 0 Do they? They normally go there and get beat one, two, two. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, thing. unless it's near the end. Of the I, I get what you mean, but I, I, I think if I want to keep up my whole devil's advocate thing, I might go as far as say that you know I might concede that maybe that is true of a few teams, and I think you know, like a, a decent portion of the of the players in this division of those teams. But, you know, there are still some, you know, fairly sizable clubs in League One. And there's there's plenty of, you know, f- you know reasonably big name players who have played at a higher level and probably won't be so, you know, transfixed by the sight of a 30,000 stadium of light than some players would. I mean, I mean in, in the Burton team, when I was looking at it, there was a lot of names that I did recognise. You know, a lot of those yeah, players Burton have played in the Premier League. I mean, a bit different because they, they're a team that's just been relegated. I'm talking about the ones like Rochdale and Fleetwood and Scunthorpe the ones that well, Scunthorpe's been in the championship so maybe harsh to include them but essentially the teams that aren't gonna... yeah but I mean they've all played in and around some of that you know they've all played at big stadiums before or at least you know relatively big stadiums compared to theirs you know they've, they've all played in front of decent crowds I mean who's in the Burton team that's you know that's a, a, a relatively well known player you know Marvin Marvin Sodell Stephen Bywater mm. I mean you know th- th- those players have played in the Premier League I mean they weren't particularly good in the Premier League yeah, but they have about, played in there I'm not talking about Burton though yeah, We're but talk about Rochdale. Yeah, but any but of Rochdale in the Premier League? Burton are still a small club, Maybe. though, aren't they? They're a, they're okay. a very small club. They've only got like four thousand capacity stadium. Yeah. Well, I'm going to Google the Rochdale squad because uh, I'll be honest, I don't know any yeah. uh, of their players. What lovely yeah. fun Sunday Oxford, night, guys! Yeah. Should we just Google the Rochdale yeah. squad? Yeah. Oxford had Dean Marnie. He's played for Burnley, I do believe. Yeah, Dean Marnie to Spurs as well. Hull. Well, there you Dean go. Marnie's see, board. oh, they've got Sackclough, Rochdale. Watch out for him. Uh, he, he played uh, for Forest. Aaron Wilbraham. That's a big stadium. Crystal yeah. Palace. Uh, David Perkins, who's played at Stephen Lightfoot. Colchester, I believe. I remember him well, you know, blonde hair. And championship. Things. They win the championship when the Colchester. I know when he was there. Uh, uh, apart from that, there isn't really anybody else of, of note. There's players there who recognise, man. Anyway, uh, in terms of uh, another positive, so we played crap again, but like the the fourth game running if you include that check trade trophy game but mm-hmm. we could have got a draw you know had a ball snuck into the corner when it was 2-1 we did put the pressure on so it's a positive we can take that again we've played awful and nearly not got beat mm-hmm. yeah it's reassuring to, to see us be crap and not you know lose by a hilariously pathetic margin you know if if, that, if this was last season and we were playing badly we're going to lose you know 3-1 Four one two nil, you know. Would I mean I, the the five two against tips, which you know is still burned into my mind. That was a that was a game when we were you know particularly bad when we were severely lacking in a lot of aspects of the team. You know there was a lot of you know tactical fallacies. But you know when we do that this season, you know we don't get you know like hilariously embarrassing five twos. We get fairly uninspiring one ones. And if, if if nothing else, you it's know, looking up, guys. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah, everything's not terrible. It's just mundane, you know. So where do you sit on that, David? Do you think we should be? I mean, is is it concerning that we still really haven't got out of first gear beyond one game? Yeah, I think I think it's really concerning. I think it's concerning that we should have got beat off Wimbledon. I think it's concerning mm. that we should have got beat off Oxford. I think it's concerning that we should have got beat off uh, Fleetwood, and then we finally did get get beat. I think um, the there's some real. We don't seem to be able to dominate games. I've not actually seen. Uh, was it Scunthorpe? Was the only game that I've actually seen us yeah. where, where we put our foot in the ball? Still that's the, the only game hour. we have dominated. Yeah, 
Scunthorpe should have had a penalty in the first ten minutes. Don't right. Uh, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that, that was a pen- that was definitely a penalty. That yeah. the thing is, though, is it, it seems to me like we only ever play well for half an hour. Yeah. That that though that's concerning. I mean, yeah. what, where does the blame lie on that? Is it because it's a new squad? Well, maybe. possibly, maybe. possibly. I mean, like, as we've said, you know, you know, there's very rarely do you see a team, you know, start brilliantly from the get-go and then continue to be brilliant and then win the league and beat every single other team you know we're not going to get we're not going to get a magic carpet ride of that velocity you know if, if things are going to go well I think it's it's going to be more of a project you know we're going to see things gradually improve over time Ross is going to learn where his strengths and weaknesses are and he's going to improve on those as he goes but the only way that he can truly learn is for that team to play competitive games you know at the level in which it competes you know you're not going to get that from friendlies you're not going to get that from watching your players at other teams you're going to have to improve as you go on I mean the the Roy Keane season when oh six or seven, you know, we we didn't go straight from bottom of the league straight at the top. You know there was it, 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 it was a bit slow on the way up. I remember that I was watching that um uh, that you know you know that video that they brought out to like recap that entire season that, that DVD up, yeah on the up yeah 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 it's on hell YouTube a, yeah that's what I was watching not on yeah hell of a hell of a DVD that or a YouTube video you know whatever your format was a is. DVD yeah no, yeah it was a DVD but yeah no I think for the first like three months of that once Keane came in we were just 14th you know like, we went up a bit but then we stagnated and it wasn't until the season got on that we really got that momentum and I think we'll probably see that again this season I think you might have to you know expect that you know we'll, we'll probably will improve I think Ross is, a, Ross is a good manager you know he will see the, what's wrong and he will do his best to improve what needs to be improved I don't. I think it, it might be until January, February that you see us winning games on a really consistent basis. If we are to, if we are to mount a series challenge for the title, but for the time being, we might have to endure a few defeats to a few jobbers, and that that's just you know that, that's life. life. Yeah, it's 114 points to play for. So that is true. Right. Yeah, so there's a lot of points. There's very of few. Points. There's very yeah. few seasons that um, sort of title winning or indeed title contending seasons where the where a team just goes and wins every week. Yeah, it's, it's not the SPL really we're in here. That um, I, I, mean, I was watching '89. You know the documentary about Arsenal winning the league, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. the reason that they won it in the last minute is because the week before they'd lost against yeah. like two fairly ordinary teams, mm. and they'd thrown it away essentially just in the last kind of yeah. two weeks of the season. You, it's going to be all ups and downs. I think what really concerns me is the manner of the defeats, or the mm. manner of the draws of the defeats, because yeah. actually. You know, we do have a superior squad to the majority of this league. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's arrogant to say that. No, but we we're not controlling games. What happens if we we don't improve? What happens if we have convinced ourselves that Sunderland are better than what they're showing at the minute? And the actual reality is, is uh, this is what they are. We get Ross out. There's a rotten core. <laughs> all Everything's gone wrong. Bloody Ellis Short's fault. Uh, Mike Ashley's fault. Everyone's fault. <laughs> Shout at chops. Aye. Shout something. I think Murray should go. That, that's my yeah. Opinion. I agree. You I know, this Murray is all out. Bruce's fault. This Bruce and Defandi. Fair play. Do you see what Defandi said this week? No. <laughs> Didn't Defandi come out and say that he'd had wonderful results in his time at Sunderland? Sick. The, about yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It just I, turns I, out I, in I, the age of post truth, you can just say whatever you, you like. You can honestly, like honestly, that's the that's the beauty, and yet the the blessing and the curse of free speech. You can say whatever the hell you mm-hmm. want. Uh, Charlie Cabral White stirred me again. Uh, his injury. Uh, why wasn't it a foul? David? Yeah. Why? It's an absolutely shocking tackle. It's a two footed tackle. Mm. Um, that's a centre back. It's a red card. Yeah. It? Yeah. Easily. If it had been one of the centre backs who'd 
tackled him, there'd definitely be a red card. Absolutely, 100% be a red mm-hmm. card. So I don't understand how that's happened. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've been punished with Max Power, which I don't believe was a red. Uh, I know I ev- red everyone card. disagrees with me, but I don't think it was. I don't think everyone does. Most people seem to disagree with me. Um, nah, it was a red card. I think it's shameful. I I, I, shameful. I don't understand. I, I just don't understand the, the lack of consistency in referees in this league. No, the, the, I know that's what we've come to expect yeah. because it's it's such a step down from what we're used yeah, to. Yeah, the, the quality drops shameful. everywhere. And, you know, the, if just as much the quality in managers and players drops, so mm-hmm. does that of referees. You know, you're gonna I, get, I was going to get saying last week more, that more I poor decisions. Andre Mariner. Like, I used to hear Andre Mariner. Yeah. He was the one. When he was on the steam, I would, whoa. Uh, yeah. old, Kevin Friend as well. Phil Dowd. Good old filled oh, out, filled out, cat, squaring up with Catamore. Well, Catamore yeah, squaring yeah. with him. Those are the, well, not those are the days. I think we drew that one, didn't we? Was that the one-one with Martin O'Neill? Uh, Catamore squaring up. With might Murphy. be, might have been. Yeah. Let's see it. Uh, Christine Smith asked, "What is Sunderland's best lineup?" So we sort of did that. I think we all kind of agreed that Max Power needs to be in it. So yep. just put Max Power in. What we said before, certainly. And where do we see Sunderland finishing? And that's a question, you know, it's a really early take and I don't think we've talked about it since the first podcast. So after what we've mm-hmm. seen from the first few games of the season, what what is the realistic expectation? Because we uh, moved into thinking maybe we won't be a playoff team. I think we'll be in the playoffs. I think we'll be a playoff, yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with a strong fourth. Fourth. I really don't want the playoffs. I hate the playoffs. Something like that. Yeah, fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth, something like that. How, how much, if we got in the playoffs, is that like a... Um, a not a free pass almost but if we got in the playoffs and didn't go up does that represent a failed season but not enough to make any drastic changes no yeah. I don't yeah I mean you look at Ross's career at um, at St Mirren and he what he studied the ship the first year and then they mm. went up as champions the next I think that sort of thing does happen it's very it's very rare that you get relegated the entire club changes and then you bring in a whole new squad Whole manager yeah. and it just clicks immediately. It's it's so rare. So I, I think, to be honest, as long as we avoid being in mid-table obscurity this season, mm. I think I would say it was a win. I, I'd like to think that we aren't so ungrateful that if Ross doesn't just promote us this season, yeah. we won't think. It you know what? Furious, You're not good enough for us. You've got to go. We want a manager that's going to get us 115 points. To promote us. We need perspective. Yeah, we? we all need to get out of this like sort of bubble in a lot of senses yeah. where we're like oh where, where's something we should mm-hmm. sort of go up and we need to remember that we have changed literally everything at the club beyond yeah. a few players yeah we've had yeah. a complete overhaul like the, the club's identity is unrecognisable to its former you know there's, there's, there aren't any clubs in the entire football league who've gone through such a dramatic change over a few months so you, you've I mean I've said before you've got to expect a slow start but that being said with the calibre of a team he's got I think, as as you said, David, if if we are in mid-table mediocrity, I think then then that, then that would represent a complete failure because I think you've got to at least be in and around the playoffs. Yeah, you know, I think if you're any lower than just outside them, in my opinion, then you've massively underachieved. Per play, okay. Well, we've got a uh, Rochdale coming up at the weekend. We have Do an it. extra podcast coming up about that as well. I'll be interviewing my mate. But uh, before we sign off, David, we are going to ask you everything that you're doing so educate our listeners what is oh. a David Callahan? <laughs> right okay yeah. um, I mean it might be superfluous people might not, not want to know but I'm happy to fill up a bit of time if you want yeah. content uh, <laughs> I um, so I've just come back from the Edinburgh Festival and I, I was doing basically I've done quite niche shows um, as full hours in the last couple of years so in 2016 I built my own planetarium and that was called uh, Let's Get This Partly Started and it was <laughs> a um, planetarium experience where I, I 
projector with two projectors on the curved mirrors that you get in um, shops. I bought them and it and it recurved the projection onto the walls. And I did stand up about being under the sea or um, journeys. I took the audience all on a journey or we went into space or that kind of thing. So none of that can be done in clubs. Um, and then this year I did a... Uh, the first ever technological choose your own adventure where the audience use their smartphones to decide what happens in the show and I'd found this episode of Target from 1996 and I remade it with comedians so it was kind of a, a journey through that um, where at the end the audience had to find a bomb and defuse it and there was two there's two different endings anyway I'll, I, I did that at the Fringe uh, this this year and I'll be filming it next February and putting that up online so if anyone wants to watch that that'd be great but if you want a more sort of traditional stand-up um show that's what i'm going to be doing next year mm. uh, i'm doing it at the glasgow festival we've not quite sorted out a date but i'm part of the chunks alternative comedy collective in glasgow and um we generally take over a venue for the entirety of march and put on loads of really interesting weird shows and my show this year is called uh <laughs> I, I thought of the name the other day which was just a working title but i don't think i'll think of anything better than this it's um give a man a fish go on Give him one. Stop <laughs> hogging all the fish, you big greedy mariner. That's what it's called at the moment. I'd go with that. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. Um, so so that'll be on. It should be around the 20th of March in Glasgow, and then that'll go to Brighton, Bath, Cambridge, Guildford, London, uh, hopefully one or two in the northeast as well before going to the Fringe. You should do year. exclusively port towns. <laughs> yeah, it'd be yeah, nice to go yeah, and slag yeah, off yeah. the major industry. Yeah, Hartlepool, Southend, yeah. <laughs> Everywhere that ends in on sea, just go to all of those. Yeah, re- yeah, have a real go at them. Yeah, um, uh, yeah I mean, it's a really easy way to have a uh, career suicide. So I, 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 that's what I'm going to do for this next year. And then I'm also building this kind of theatrical experience for 2020, which is currently called Boxers, a love story, which will be, um, it's it's kind of a projection experience with a live, with doll's houses that I'm going to build that are projected from a live camera onto a screen. Um, I, I, I mean, there's more to it than that, <laughs> um, but that'll go to the Fringe That'll go to the Glasgow Fest next year as a work in progress, and then it'll go to the Fringe in 2020. So that's kind of what I'm working on. And then apart from that, I'm just driving to different market towns every night and doing 20 minutes of comedy for a certain amount of money and then driving home and kind of cry at weather services. (laughs) Yep, I'll be at the stand sometime before Christmas. Yeah. That's always cool, though. It's nice. It's good fun. It's a good Um, night. So yeah, that's my career, as, as bad as it's going. That's that's how everything. Well, you see, we need more interactive comedy. So it, it sounds to me like you're fighting the good fight. You know? <laughs> yeah, my comedy's very interactive. Certainly yeah. afterwards, when uh, old people come up to me and go, "I didn't get it." <laughs> <laughs> it's most of the interactions yeah. that I get. The future <laughs> is now. Perfect. Get some heckles in there. Do you heckle? Do you get people? You know, yeah, yeah. You tend to get people heckling, but the but do you, do you pick on people? No, not really. I mean, I, I did in my most recent. Um, show I got people up on stage to do like little act out um, I made up sort of different films that they had to act out on stage mm. uh, but you know I think if you're good natured people will be good natured back the worst thing with hecklers is when they actively want to destroy you yeah and then and then, and then it becomes like a real um, issue. It, it's enjoyable for me because I've been doing it long enough mm. that it's quite fun. But yeah. uh, it, it'll sour the gig. I mean, it'll spoil it for oh, every comedian that's on. <laughs> I, I don't know why you'd ever want to go to like a, a comedian's gig and just think, you know what? I, I don't even know this guy or girl, but I want I want to ruin the show for for no apparent reason. I mean, you know how how, how small do you not got to be to want to do that? You why know, why do people go to Sunderland and boo certain players regardless of their performance? Why yeah. do people leave at eighty eight minutes? It's just a mindset. That yeah, it's just one of those have. things. Yeah. You know, yeah. I I don't know if I would have the balls to do a stand up. 
I would love to do it once. Mm. Give it a go. It's good fun. I know, but I just, yeah. I'm going to stand at the back and heckle you. Yeah, for your I, think lack I, of head I hair. would probably be best going without like a script and just standing there and hoping for the best. A lot, yeah. uh, a lot of people, people have <laughs> felt that. I've seen a lot of gigs yeah. where people have thought that. And, oh, it doesn't go well. No, no <laughs> doesn't that? Oh, well. well, I mean, I'm, that's probably something there. I am. Um, I was doing a. Uh, I was doing Red Roar in Glasgow recently, and someone went on stage. Right, they got introduced. They went on stage. They just stood there for about thirty seconds, and then they walked off. And all the comedians mm. were like, "Well, what was that?" And they said, oh, "I just, I just didn't think of anything." And they thought that comedians went on stage and just made it up as they went along, like it wasn't <laughs> mm. like we didn't spend months and months yeah. like painstakingly put yeah. thing, putting things together. It's amazing how people believe that Michael McIntyre just thinks about the the head. You know, speaking of him, funny story. When I was in Mallorca, when I was 12, we accidentally went into a bar and saw Michael McIntyre just like putting on his show for like a really small crowd just to try it out. Apparently it used to do that. I mean, is is that a thing that comedians generally do? Do they try out the material to just random I mean, I've never flown to Mallorca to do it. Well, well, no, I mean, you know, it's it's obviously very, you know, it's it's a a nice life for some, like Michael McIntyre, isn't it, you know? Yeah. Occasionally when you'll do a, uh, like a new material night, I'll go along with some new material and then before you is someone who's like a big hitter who's dropped down and you'll have the worst gig you possibly can because I've had to follow follow Dylan Moran before. (laughs) Like, well, I'm never, even my best stuff is nowhere near as his work nowhere near as good as his work in progress bits so the famous story is like Jim Carrey would do it in the 1990s when he Mm. was like big in films Mm. he would occasionally just drop down on the LA open mic circuit and just destroy every gig just that became absolutely pointless for anyone to go (laughs) it's hard for somebody like him to do bad because everyone wants exactly Exactly. once you have that reputation he's also incredibly talented and good and has honed his craft over a number of years I mean you can't take that away it's just cruel really it's like (laughs) It's, it's like it's like being in a it's like you know being Harry Kane and just going to bloody you know Port Vale or something just for the crack you know yeah, yeah, yeah. you know look George at, Weir turning up yeah, at, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah look at you League Two keepers that way yeah fourth you've conceded it's that thing about um, Neville Southall used to play Sunday League once he'd retired he went and played Sunday League and people would be like oh we're Oh, I was having to line up against Neville Southall, but he insisted on playing centre half. Right. <laughs> so, That's one uh, one. Who's your favourite comedian other than um, you? Dan- Daniel Kitson was the comedian that, that made me really want to do stand up. Daniel Kitson, Stuart Lee. Um, I think really my show that I've done recently, if you really like um, like the kind of tech people, uh, like Fox Dog Studios, if you really like things like that, then then you'll really like it. But if you want to see Peter Kerr, there was I did a, right, I did work in progress fit in York, and everyone hated it. Right, I was replacing <laughs> I was replacing a magician, and all the audience were over seventy, and it was a tough hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, after it, someone came up to me and went, y- "You're nothing like Chubby," and I was like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I see that as a real yeah. positive, mate. Um, yeah, and he wanted to talk to me for about 25 minutes about why Roy Chubby Brown was immeasurably better than me. So if you like that kind of thing, you're not going to like me. But yeah, fair. It's, it's, well, I'm not a fan of Roy Chubby Brown, so, you know. No, no, man. There's, there's one potential potential <laughs> um, uh, fan you've not lost. I, I really oh, like thanks, Lee Mack. Because, like, I watched Not Going Out, uh-huh. and uh, every line in Not Going Out is a joke. Yeah, I don't, yeah, have yeah. you ever seen it? It's really tightly written, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, had he write it as well? I was uh-huh. like, you must be a, a genius. It's a very American-style sitcom, because it's 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 very sort of gag-led. Yeah. It's really interesting how that's different to UK sitcoms. That um, things that that's kind of the only example on British TV that is, that is like that. Yeah, I struggle with American sitcoms normally. I mean, 
uh, have either of you seen the the American in between us when they, no. when, they, when they tried to like radically Americanize it and it just amazing just, it that just didn't cool. come off yeah like I'll I remember, I mean, everything about the Inbetweeners that was, like, good in the British version was that, like, it just it just looked like you were, like, mates of these blokes following around with an iPhone recording, these yeah, lads yeah. just being, like, you know, just, like, ridiculous. But in the American one, it was just, like, it just, it was just like any other American sitcom, but it was a British sixth form, and it just didn't work at all. Like, I remember, I remember watching them all when they first came out, and I was thinking, Jesus. They're all too pretty, yeah. I imagine. They're all too pretty in American sitcoms. Yeah, the, not like the anyone that I've ever the met. The bloke who plays Neil's meant to be like a, like a big gangly, long-haired like American stoner, yeah, but obviously yeah. Neil's character just is nothing like that. You know, I mean, they're, they're both fundamentally morons, but there's just no similarity beyond yeah. that, and it just doesn't work. This podcast morphed into something. Oh, yeah, we're yeah, just talking yeah, yeah. comedy now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think there's some really, really good uh, alternative comics out there, and I think people should probably, you know, go and look for things that aren't on Live at the Apollo. Because actually, oh, I don't really like anyone who's ever been on Live at the Apollo. I don't really, really like anyone no, who's ever done it. I think Nick Helm did it once, uh, and I think um, like Greg Davis and a couple mm. of other people. But the majority, I just think it's very, very pedestrian. Yeah. But then you, you would snap it up, surely, if it offered. Oh, if offered, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, guys. I mean, they're, they're, anyone, they're... <laughs> mate, I'll take twenty quid. Just <laughs> <laughs> ten minutes around the back of Tesco's. Uh, I, I'm, I am. Uh, a whore for hire mate <laughs> uh, and I well, want to make that absolutely clear on this podcast yeah. if anyone wants to pay me to do literally anything I will do well, it well those are your words <laughs> you're very comedy. much welcome for the free promo I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that will happily have your services <laughs> ambiguously for whatever ominously so right well I think that's a wrap I think we are all finished the sandwich for the personally. Yeah. I see I could do your job <laughs> so I think I think we've done about an hour but the screens are telling us so Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's that's all right. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming, David. Thanks um, for having us. You are you are very well educated. I liked how you brought books into this. We don't normally talk about books. No. <laughs> you brought in two books, I think. What the uh, what Dave Kitson's book? That yeah, famous yeah, literary, that <laughs> literary you, mind. Did you not bring another book? Have I missed that? Um, I don't know. I think the term uh, Fantastista I'd learned from uh, Jonathan, J- Jonathan Wilson's yeah, yeah, books. Right, so yeah, it might be Angels with Dirty Faces, yeah. which is great. That's a record. Yeah, we should just become like a like a football, like literary no, we book club. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we'll go for like a lot more of a intellectual. And lose all of our listeners. Yeah, lose literally 99% of our listeners. Most people will have turned off from the introduction where I was talking about penises, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, most people will be hearing. Right, okay, well, I, I am going to finish recording now, so thanks for coming, Alex. Um, oh, you're welcome. As always. Thanks, David. Cheers, guys. Yeah. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.